0: Hi, welcome back to the Heart Square podcast and um, this week we are joined by another two members of our team, this time it's Chris and Rhys and um, they are the Head of Technology and Services here at Heart Square. and we chat to them this week about choosing a new CRM, where do you begin? There's loads of options and um, so it can be di- quite daunting to, to know where to begin and they highlight um, that doing your research is actually really important before you start making your selection and your choices.
1: Yeah so Chris and Reese have been with us um, for a number of years, the pair of them you know they started out as consultants so they were running projects directly with clients you know full-time that was all, all they were doing uh, they went up they became senior consultants so still doing the same sort of work um, and running partner selection projects working closely with clients understanding that uh and also in that role we're sponsoring other other consultants doing it so they've got a wealth of experience behind them and then uh about 18 months or so ago they stepped up to the role that you, you mentioned earlier the head of technology and services role so they both it's it's a role and they both hold a post within it um and there you know they have a, a very strong uh, accountability and a mandate to stay in, on top of what um the technology landscape offers for, for our clients you know what the partners are up to um both you know in terms of the functionality and also the, the aspects actually that they're going to talk about or they talked about in the week with us um, which is really you know what are those other critical factors that anyone should consider you know when you're when you're evaluating a partner and how they might be right for you
0: yeah so we found it a really interesting conversation actually so we hope you enjoy this episode as well and if you do let us know by leaving us a review and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our latest episodes let's get started We obviously all know each other because we work together, but um, I wondered if uh, Rhys and Chris, you could just give us a little intro for people who don't know you.
2: Hi, I'm Reese. I'm the head of technology and services. i um, been working with Square since around 2014, so I have been here quite quite a long time in a, in a number of, of different roles. Um, and yeah, no, so we we'll work with uh, Chris on a, on a kind of a day-to-day hour-to-hour, quite a few minutes and minutes. Yeah. <laughs>
3: And um, yep, I'm I'm Chris. Uh, I'm uh, one of the other heads of uh, technology and services at Heart Square. Um, I've been at Heart Square for even longer than Reese has, so um, yeah, I, I've been through many of the uh, the roles that we have at Heart Square, and um, moving into the head of tech uh, and services, have got uh, a lot of experience of um, all of the challenges that we have and all of the things that we try to do within the uh, within the workspace that
1: we work in. Brilliant, thanks guys. So I know you both, yeah, have got very very busy day jobs. So we appreciate you coming in to to chat to us. Um, the pod today is about kind of the importance of doing research when you're choosing a new CRM solution in particular. Um, and the reason for, for having a a session on that is, you know, a lot of our work, as you know, centres on guiding clients who are, you know, looking to do more more with digital, you know, broadly and specifically and primarily, I guess, when they're looking to implement new CRM technology. Let's run with that so you know understanding the options and how to differentiate between them it's key to them and uh, and it's you know it's a significant part of your role and responsibility within hard square you know to to build and, and maintain that knowledge in the area so you know not to not to set you up straight out but the opening <laughs> question really is kind of you know where do you start
3: i think i, mean, I think it's a, it's a fascinating question because i was considering this and and the different analogies that you can come up with with searching for say a CRM solution and if you think of it as say if you were buying a car you would you know you jump onto Google you've got loads of sites that give you independent advice you can you know you can collate as much information as you need and you can kind of come up with all of those different perspectives and then come to a decision and you just simply don't have that in the CRM space particularly Um, so your research is predominantly if you're not if you're not careful it's google-based and and that is either a a great thing or a terrible thing because everybody is going to talk about their solution being perfect and a great fit um you don't really have um if you take that kind of first layer of um, information as gospel you don't really have much to differentiate or balance out those different perspectives so it's a massive challenge and i think it's something that Probably with, with Reese and I, what we what we do and, and what we we try to continue to do is is look beyond a simple you know rating system and just saying you know that's a five out of five product we'll go with it because there are so many other factors that that make up that that decision um, that, that go beyond just a really simple simple choice.
2: Yeah, I think I think what the we get the benefit of um, is probably going from the position where we um we see content on a on a website you know we see marketing around we you know we are this organization we we do crm we we are doing it for the charity sector the membership sector and then um because we're proactively kind of scanning the, the market for the people that we could bring to our clients um and bring into our processes we get to then kind of follow that up and, and have conversations with those organizations and so often i think what we tend to find is that the kind of the marketing on a site doesn't necessarily match up with the way that that they appear when you put them under, under some scrutiny and start asking questions from the basis of of experience and and um, asking them you know just critical things about you know if you, if you were to take this this kind of simple scenario where you've got you know let's say the system with a uh, you know with 50 people uh, who are going to be users of this kind of budget. They've got these kind of problems how would you approach it what's your methodology you know is it consistent do you make it up on the spot you know what how do you approach this problem all of a sudden you that's when you start to see differences and, and um, differentiators and some of the indicators of, of, of the things that we're looking from uh, for from those organizations which is to have consistency about how they do things and, and to show that they are kind of growing learning evolving you know they really are looking to apply good solid project management and, and software engineering principles to, to the challenges that,
3: that they face. And I, and I think, you know, alongside that, the, the the difficulty is that a lot of those things around the methodologies and the, and the things that from our perspective are as important, if not many times more important than the, the technology and the, and the platform and what it can and can't do, are not usually the most visible things on a website. You know, you, you just don't get that flavour from simply you know, having a, having a click around and, and getting four or five different websites up and it's like, okay, we've got comparison points between them. So, I think that's where the the research needs to go down the route of really looking at talking to people that have experienced the, the you know, those, those those companies, experienced that technology, um, you know, the sector that we're in, there's, there's, there's so much kind of shared knowledge and, and shared experience. Um but you've also got to you've got to going kind to of go into that with an with a, an understanding that also people can be burnt by those projects, and you could speak to somebody that actually doesn't give you a fair assessment potentially of both the, the technology and the, the the partner because they they have gone through something which you know may have been largely something on their side, it might have been on the partner side, it might have been ten years ago and things have completely changed from there. So it 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 is a real challenge, but I think it. it it needs then almost a methodology in its own right to make sure that you are focusing on the right pieces of information. Um, and I think it's fair to say, I mean, we've, we've got examples of where IT directors or somebody who's been tasked with, you know, go out and find us our replacement for this thing that we're not very happy with, um, essentially get caught up in maybe a conversation at a, you know, at a, an event or a, you know get get passed on some details from someone and just kind of go down that route without really then bringing in any opposing thoughts any kind of different perspectives um and and it and it can you know spectacularly backfire
2: yeah i think uh, i completely agree with that i think that one of the most um uh, kind of painful points that of any processes is when it's it's clear that somebody's come from another organisation, seen something work there, and it just wants to basically move it because it's their it's their kind of product or supplier of choice. I mean, it's not it's not a wrong thing to make that introduction or to put them in the frame, but I think it's you know each each problem and each challenge you know isn't necessarily the right one for um, for a different organisation at a different time. And I think that's that's one of the things that I. Uh, I do like to see um, a lot of clients that we, we work with do, which is it's good to do some some research to go out and look there and see the, what the identity of the different organisations are to start with. But I think they're just the, the people who make better decisions about who they want to work with are those, I think, that tend to be more self-aware and, ha- and have spent some time thinking about their culture. You know what what the the nature of their ability to make decisions are, whether they are looking for a more aggressive learning curve or if they're looking for kind of a more slowly evolving process, whether they think they can be involved in something that's going to need them to delegate large amounts of responsibility down to a project team and be comfortable with that and 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 kind of live with that throughout an implementation project. So I think it's, it's it's those that have really thought about their Uh, culture and behaviours and how that may complement or clash with some of the people they're about to talk to who just and genuinely tend to ask better questions about the people that are put in front
3: and and I think the, the the strange kind of element of that which often we don't we don't always see with with a client until it's a little way down the line is is how kind of emotive that can be almost as a, a as a sort of a thing to reflect on. You know, you, you can see clients where they really struggle with the idea of we would love to work in this way. We love that approach. Can we do it? Is that our is that our culture? Is it genuinely something we've got resource to to, to kind of be able to um, apply ourselves against? And I think we've seen you know we see that fairly regularly where you, you, you have you have a, a good solution, you've got a good partner, you've got a good method. But a client that it's just not it's just not the right match when it comes to how you're going to deliver that project, and then unfortunately you you get into a situation where all of the other issues that come out of that are so far-reaching and so complicated, and ultimately a decision that's been made on we we hoped we could be you know we hope we could be this client or we hope we could take on this this approach, and you can consume just you know huge amount of time, huge amount of money learning that 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 you really shouldn't have ever made that decision in the first place it was too big a jump and then there are those others that are willing to take that jump and actually accepting that that they need to step up and 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 want to do that
1: so when you're looking at that scenario then so in your roles where you're trying to assess the you're talking a lot about the the nature of organizations actually the culture of organizations yeah so you're looking at the client culture and the partner culture and trying to find that match So a lot of your research when you're talking to previous clients and and others in the sector is around the nature of an organisation, basically building a profile of what those technology partners look like, as opposed to just looking at this is the technology they deploy.
3: Um, I I think absolutely. and I I think it's also um, I think there are so many buzzwords at the moment and agile is my probably my pet hate for them because it's, (laughs) there's there are so many different variations of really what that means and i think there's the flip side of it is that nobody wants to think of themselves as not agile as you know rigid and inflexible here's our solution you know would, would you like to you know work with us so there's a there's almost a, um, a a desire to work agile you know and and take on a methodology but that varies so much as well so the need to actually ensure that you understand explicitly what that means um the difference between one person that says oh i've done sprints before i've done strip sprint planning and development and actually you then seeing how a sprint is run by the company that you're looking at it can be vastly different you can be a world away from what you think it will be and then suddenly you've got all the challenges of you know by that stage you are in you're into the project you are you are kind of taking on all of the the challenges of it and it's a really tough point then to start to have to say well one of the most fundamental parts of why we chose that particular company, we're going to expect them in some cases to change that approach and still get the same outcomes of tech, the, the, the budget, the time, the buy in from everybody, the kind of the change management piece. It's it's such a fundamental piece that if you rip that out and you expect it to all just carry on as it as it was and as it was kind of pitched to you in the first instance, it, it's just a, it's just a huge shift at that point.
1: So the key point there being that those cultures can't change. A technology partner is at its best when it's delivering, whether it's agile or whatever version of that it may be, whatever its method is, and the the challenge for the client is to find their match, somebody um, whose culture will align with them, not to... <clears throat> not to try and change the way you, you know the technology partner might have great tech they love the tech but the method doesn't fit so they need to be able to let it go not to try and yeah not to try and crush their method into or to change the model that the partner uses uh yeah I think I think exactly that I, I think
2: I think alignment's an interesting idea when it comes to culture I think quite often it's not I think finding that is not necessarily finding someone who is like you uh, necessarily. I think it's quite often finding someone who complements you. So that can be if an organisation is is trying to move itself on, on a curve of of modernising, you know, it might be flattening the structure, changing the way decisions are made, um, trying to introduce things about using more data and information um, to to drive decisions rather than, you know, kind of more kind of political, politically driven um, ways of doing things. Working with a certain type of organisation will will help you, uh, and I think will will kind of pull you in that direction. But your your organisation needs to be prepared to go on that a bit on that journey with you. And I think quite often it's seen that a technology project will be the one and only vehicle for making it happen. We're we're, we're, we're we feel like we're a cumbersome organisation without a data technology. We'll work with these very bright very innovative innovative um kind of leaders in let's do things differently and that will basically will evolve in 12 months from from one thing to another um and that's generally not going to be the case that's when there's most likely to be a clash what you what you want to be and what you are are too far different to actually go on that journey i, I think it, it can be something where you kind of want to go one level down on that and it's it's a kind of a uh, someone who's going to put together good solid technology that will improve you improve your processes it will it will lay raise a few uh a few kind of uh, panels in your house and see what's going on underneath them it'll help you kind of progressively evolve your processes and do things better but it will do it in a more of a reassuring hand-holding way because that's what you need and that might allow you to transition to the next step so i think we're very um wary of making the claim that a technology project will fundamentally change your culture i don't think it will i think it be it can be a uh, a way that it will uh, be a catalyst to it and it can be part of a broader change in that direction but it won't do it on its own and i think that's where we're cautious about bringing together a, a client and a partner who almost might like the look of each other, but I, I think the way that we can see the dynamic playing out may not necessarily be complementary.
3: And uh, no, and no, I think no, it's a really good point as well because the other thing that's uh, a danger is, is you, get, you get bought into the the, the sales team, you know, who, who may not be involved in the delivery at all, and you can you can fall in love with you know uh, an energy or a an approach or a calmness or whatever it might be, and If you're not asking the questions at that stage, who am I working with? Are you still involved in the project? Am I going to see you in any capacity once the project starts? You you could you could buy in completely to almost a a culture and a personality of a company, which is is essentially a person. It's a sales director or or a you know business development lead, and then the reality of what you get when you actually start your project is that person steps away, and everything that you thought was the company actually was predominantly the person there's still a methodology there and there are still the other fundamental things but your the things that that have got you through those those kind of um those milestone decisions to sort of finally say right this is who we want to work with it can be a shock that then you are you know you bring in a, a project manager potentially at that stage who you've not met through the process of selection and they have a different approach they don't have that same I say energy I mean it, you know that, that it can be lots of different elements that that kind of build up to that that ideal um type of person that you want to kind of have driving your project forward but it's yeah it's a real it's a real challenge kind of making sure that's consistent
0: yeah i think you hit on some like really interesting points there certainly for me anyway like the points around sort of complementary cultures Um, i think that's something yeah which is seems like quite important so do you find you know there's a challenge for clients to potentially understand their own their own culture and be realistic realistic about it to then be informed to go to um, a potential um, partner to make the relationship or the projects work
3: I don't know I, I mean I don't know about you recently I, I think a lot of clients that we work with know what their culture is and are quite open about it in a number of cases but those are sometimes the most difficult because they almost see it as a challenge it's it, it is like this is our culture and this is how we work but we want to work differently and therefore the project can help change us um and you know that's that has its own challenges compared to the ones that aren't as self-aware and you're almost having to kind of it, it's it, that is a, a sensitive conversation because you have to kind of play that back and you you know and if, and if you're not aware about that or if there's an individual that that understands what that organization is and maybe what it's gone through to try and have them influence another panel of people who might all be saying no no we are we are absolutely we're cutting edge we want to do all the things that we can do in-house that's a battle that then you've got to lead alone potentially and you you've got to try and balance out the the desire I suppose to keep the enthusiasm about the project without kind of battling everybody and saying that's not us that's not who we are that's too big a leap so it is a really difficult set of conversations that need to be had.
2: Yeah, I think actually the kind of the answer to that question is one of the reasons that I actually really enjoy my job, because um, I'm just a little bit curious and uh, nose is a bit strong. But um, I would I would say <laughs> so that <are> actually <laughs> I would say going, going and working with the the, the number of organisations that we do and seeing the variation in different cultures and level of understanding of their own cultures is 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 fascinating I think and it varies from from those that are a certain way and don't know it at all and sometimes that's where we get the the advantage you know when when we work with a a client for a period of time when they say you know we're pretty good at decisions and we just say well actually can we look at some recent work that we've done and, and and whether that actually plays out in a practical sense to those who who um who know they're a certain way and know they have certain kind of almost kind of cultural idiosyncrasies but are almost resigned to it they're almost like this is how it how it is we've been this way a long time we really struggled to move out of it and i think then you get to the to the more kind of progressive end where you've got um organizations that have probably started to feel like they've turned a corner it's quite often when there's there's been some kind of kind of top-down recognition that something needs to change and there's real drivers to 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 not accept um, the way that uh, a particular organisation is at, at any point, and and to actually get them to move forward. So so yeah, no, there's real. I mean, there's there's not really uh, a, a solid classification, but there's a number of different kind of patterns that that kind of play out. And it's really when you work with them for an extended period of time, and you try and get things moving, you try and get you know clarity on certain decisions, you try and um, move certain things on that that you get to see. How, how power is structured within the organisation and, and how, uh, how easily things are, make it to get things done. I,
3: and, and, I, and I think that, that also the, the other thing, I, I think it's probably a pet hate of, of ours, um, but, but certainly I'll claim it as mine I and mean, then you can agree or disagree, <laughs> um, is, a, is a, an organisation where they, they really know that there's a way that they can't work but they they plough ahead with researching and talking about, you know, and t- talking to companies that deliver in a very particular way um, because it's just such a waste of time on, ev- on everybody's side. You know, I think it's healthy if you've got a range of different approaches and some kind of variances, you know, sort of a small gap that you need to bridge between. OK, it is not us now, but this could be if we if we did this. But I think it's it's just such a, a huge resource drain on. The company and and also on on the the client to put in all of the time to discuss that to talk about it when really there's no genuine belief that you can do that um, and the danger is that you carry that through and you go through a, a partner selection and ultimately you've got a, a panel who are like we, we're including them almost just just as a novelty piece and we we know we can't ever choose them but you know we just fancy we just fancy kind of knowing about that what it might what it might mean to us.
2: I th- it's an interesting time. I think as as we record this, which is, um, you know, in uh, a point where people are going to return to work after a period of work, mainly working from home. And I think I'm I'm interested to see whether even the most uh, kind of Long-standing of cultures is going to be disrupted by the fact that they've had to change over the last kind of 12-18 months. Uh, you know, I think there are there are things that were probably taken as absolute institutions within an organisation that that always happen, must happen in a particular way, that have just been impossible, and they've had to find another way. Um, and the way that people interact, the way that you know, the, the, the kind of the interpersonal relationships have probably moved on and i suppose i generally err on the side of i hope that it's generally going to be for the better there's a bit more flexibility i mean it's in a in a partner selection sense and certainly you know 10 years ago the location of the partner used to be quite a big factor you know with it it was like well if they're not down the road from this what on earth are we going to do whereas now i can i, I can see where you know if if you have uh you know an excellent organization who who are who really work well with you? You're in London, they're in Scotland. Does it really matter? You know, do, is that going to be a barrier? It, it definitely probably opens out um, the the market to to uh, to a lot more selection processes. Where, yeah, I think probably before it be like we're comforted by the fact that they're close. We couldn't tell, exactly tell you how that's definitely going to mean that we get a better project as a consequence. And and I think the side benefit of of working. That I've found of working with organisations that do work in a kind of a locationless, distributed way, is you start to pick up um, little techniques about how they communicate and how they actually manage things. Because quite often, if if, if organisations have, particularly kind of software um, and delivery partners have have, uh, have have a system that allows them to develop. And collaborate in a distributed way it generally means that they've got a little bit more structure going on and those methodologies are a little bit more entrenched, which generally for us is is a positive, so it's a good indication.
1: I think that's really interesting, Um, I think, yeah, seeing how organisations have changed when they come back to being more, you know, whatever that hybrid model looks like, but being more on site, because two of the key Aspects of an organizational culture that, for me, you've picked out as being important in that profile inside. This is on the client side. Sorry, is there basically their ability? Two things that I think are particularly relevant: are their ability to make decisions and make timely decisions, which we know is fundamental to their ability to succeed in a project anyway, um, and also the delegation piece. And there's part of me that thinks they would be two key areas that would naturally have had to evolve over the last year. That you would think. Being more distributed, less you know, less in one space, um, and less accessible. Actually, bizarrely, less accessible to each other. You would think that those two decision-making and delegation capabilities would have evolved within clients. But obviously, the truth will out when we get towards. Um, well, I get to hopefully when we get towards the autumn on that. It's interesting hearing you talk, yeah, so much about that side that side of things. Knowing for me, knowing seeing how that can change.
2: Yeah, and I think I think you know the the one thing that has definitely been challenged is is kind of presenteeism culture, um, which is which is one factor. But I think the thing that underpins that is the like if I can't see it physically happen within an office, I don't necessarily believe it's true, and I don't know how what's happening within my organisation contributes to um, to what we're what we're seeking to do and how we do it. Which actually when when we talk about some of the things that we're trying to do, which is to increase the, you know, the productivity, increase the, the kind of the, the ability of an organisation to do things by being uh, more supported by systems and to running more information through those systems, you know, achieve better data, have better information as a consequence, have, have more visibility on who they're connecting with, how they're connecting, what's happening as a consequence that talks to all the same things because it's not about you know you can see somebody over there doing something it's about I'm seeing the outcome of that in the system and I and I'm interested in how um that has consequences in in whether we're you know whether as a charity or a membership organization we're doing the things that we set out to do so I think that's why I think there's this kind of cautious cause for, for optimism that um that there will be there'll be more focus on kind of real outputs and not the the kind of the appearance of outputs in possibly slightly outdated ways.
3: Mm. Yeah and I I think that the the interesting challenge I think will be when when you assess those those things now considering you know when you assessed them maybe kind of 15-18 months ago in terms of the different criteria that you're talking about um being important to you as a as a company um sorry as a as a client um and, and the companies you're gonna work with you might you might have significantly different expectations from from then until now but but you're gonna have all the same people so you know that the product that you're going to be moving towards might have a certain um methodology, there might be a certain way that it can Help you uh, but it does mean that you've got to really you've got to really understand that uh, is your is your culture changing um is your are your individuals changing the way they're working and they're there are there kind of issues that are going to be um impacting them when they come back to that face-to-face kind of working environment um and if you've chosen a a, a company that's going to be able to i suppose offer you a way of working offer you a, a, a an approach which worked remotely will it still work as well when you're actually face to face you know there are some benefits in having having distance and having a separation and having meetings which are very focused and, and ensuring that you are only having conversations about the project when you need to whereas will that shift back into oh well and you know we're just not seeing you as much now on site with us so I'm not sure if we're getting the same value it would just be interesting to see if you're mid project or you're about to embark on something and you've been in this kind of closed off world of everything's being remote, how are you gonna find that um once you once you sort of move into um uh, kind of bit on site working again
0: yeah it's um yeah really interesting to sort of see. Um, how it will like pan out essentially but quite interestingly I've noticed from sort of as we're talking that we've focused quite heavily on culture um, and we've kind of not really touched upon functionality of the tech at all and I was just wondering is is that maybe less relevant at this point or not relevant but perhaps you know more less important when you're considering initially Um, but yeah to get your thoughts on that really
3: um i mean i yeah it, it it would be lovely for us to say it's not important um or, or not not as important i mean it's 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 probably level pegging and it and depending on the points that you're at within making a decision and in your project as well you'll probably argue that that one is far more important than the other at, at any one point um the the big thing with the with the functionality is that I think so many platforms and solutions proprietary you know all, all sorts of different um tech out there is is they're all competing with each other at a, at a broad level and there are far fewer gulfs between them. So really, if you're, if you're entirely hooked on, uh, can it do this, can it do that? You could find that you've got a raft of 20 different things, which the answer is, yeah, absolutely it can. Um, how does that then help you, um, make a decision from, from that point on? Um, you obviously absolutely need to make sure that, you know, you know what you need, you know, what your, um, uh your your detailed requirements are the things that are for now, the things that are for the future, so you can again not get hooked on spending hours and hours talking about something that might never be delivered within the first four or five phases and years of your uh of your relationship with that company and that tech. Um so no it's uh we we not avoided it with any um, intention so <laughs> far. Unfortunately it's, it always comes leering back into view eventually. <laughs>
2: Layering back into you. That's, uh, sure. <laughs> that's maybe the impact it has to on be. me, a it is. Yeah. yeah. I'll keep an eye out for that. I think. Um, <laughs> I think it really. Uh, I kind of find that features can be a good way to actually also understand that the organisation that's putting them in front of you. Um. I think I. I was actually thinking a little bit about this in terms of when. Um. Quite often we have partner engagement sessions, and it's when our consultants are, are shown uh, given a demo of a, a piece of, um, of a solution or a particular new system, or even you know a, a, somebody we know well that's that's actually designed and delivered something else. And I think the the, the times where um, you get a kind of a eyebrows raised kind of people looking at each other in the in the office as we used to, or you know kind of you know you can see the reactions on on Teams is when. There's probably like an old gnarly problem that might be just part of like the way that membership upgrades or the way that, you know, kind of a fundraising payment might, or, or something that you know that lots of organisations have a problem with. And someone who's approached it in a really interesting way and has clearly thought about it and designed well to it. And you can see how, you, you can, it's when you start thinking, oh, I could see it. If I showed that to one of my clients, they would absolutely love that. And I think that, you know, that tells you something about, the organisation that you're working with they've they've actually been they've been in a lot of these situations where they've um they've kind of hit this problem they've found a way to uh to really put a good sleep design um in to, to resolve it and then it's evolved you know it's actually kind of moved as uh, as they've kind of hit that problem but a slight variation on it um over time because what, generally one of the things that we're looking at when we're matching partners is where people have almost kind of things that we've seen before but the slight differences that make them unique for that one and it's those slight differences that sometimes take you know a bit of functionality that everybody uses and adds a funny little thing to it and it's those well-designed things that can that can adapt to that you know that, that are still good and sound and we'll be able to, to handle that as well so the other thing that you know taking that one step on you know I think the one the thing that um is a good way to approach a demo session is when um a client has a piece of functionality that they know is really important to them they know is absolutely crucial to make their business work and um you know when when they see it when they ask it demonstrated you know the the question that I, I like to hear is well wh- why have you gone about it that way you know what was the intention between actually take the protein that particular way and not and not another way and it's when you get and it sometimes you can just flummox the poor kind of business development person who's a bit like I have no idea I was no near it. but the, but the functionality that I think suppliers are proud of quite often they'll say well we, we tried this but we did this and we did this and I did that and you can see how they've either learned or really considered how to how to put something in place that's, that's going to work well for you know a breadth of clients so i think functionality itself can actually give you hints about the, the identity of, of the organization and you know whether whether they designed something 10 years ago but either it's, it was perfect then or they've not looked anything with it further or they have constantly moved something on because they're always trying to make it better always trying to make it more suitable for a greater number of people
0: yeah, that's really interesting, actually. And um, yeah, definitely there is a balance between that the functionality and, um, you know, culture side of it. Um, I think we could talk about this for a while, but um, unfortunately we're coming to sort of the end of the time. I don't know if anyone had any um, last comments they wanted to make before we uh, sort of wrap up and have to go. Chris?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's been really interesting being able to kind of talk about this uh, this area. And obviously, as you can hear, kind of for you tonight, so. It's a bit of a, a passion subject, so we could probably go on way, way, way beyond you, uh, the, the length of time you'd want us to. Um, I, th- I think the the, the key is um, don't just start diving into um, your research before you really have a clear idea of what what you are looking for at a at a level of you know as we've spoken about the culture and the kind of functionality. Um, if everything is a kind of an open question and a and an item for consideration you'll drive yourself mad by the various options you'll find and go around in circles with with different solutions and, and options and, and things. And I think all of those areas we've talked about so far, I think, need time to be discussed and be considered. You need to involve people across your organisation. You know, if it's Again, if it's done in silo, we talked about, you know, if you get hung up on the culture and you forget the functional stuff, then you're going to cause yourself problems with you know, your your users and, and ultimately the people that you're going to have to try and sell the the project to um, down the line. So I think it's just trying to make sure that um, don't kind of make it up as you go along, you know, try and create a structure and then start putting the information into those structures and being able to assess in that way.
2: Um, yeah, no, I would I would really agree with that. Um, I think the other probably couple of things are um, talk to people i think that you know it's quite a big it's quite a big chatty sector um so i think you know that it's quite possible for to pick up the phone to a, an organization you might see as a, as a case study and, and say to them well you know well, what what happened for you how did it work for you come to one of our events potentially and, and chat to people there, but I think you know, kind of network and, and hear about even if it's not a uh, you know a partner you may maybe working with or exactly the same type of organisation as you. The more you can learn about people's experience of of deliver of going through projects like this. The chances are you'll you'll kind of learn things that will make you reflect on the way that you're preparing your organisation to actually um, to go to go into it. The thing we've actually not talked about very much is cost, um, which is quite important. Um, <laughs> Because you know there is there are a, a big range of of cost profiles um, across across the sector, and I think probably having a good idea of what kind of band of costs is is possible is going to is going to help you either kind of knock some options on the head or, or kind of extend your range quite considerably. Um, and but I think uh, the other thing about about costs is don't forget all of the costs. You know don't forget about the fact that you need to not just buy buy a product, you need to have people who can actually um, help you kind of develop it over time um, if you want to make it a lot more expensive quite quickly do a lot of integrations um <laughs> and, and bring all your data there's a, there's is, there, that's not be. a challenge that's not a challenge <laughs> I, I would actually feel bad i wouldn't be comfortable with myself had i not dropped that in um in some, in some way, shape or form so um but yeah no this 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 kind of a lot to consider but i think the more the more kind of uh, more people you've spoken to the more kind of uh, insight you've got of how like the, the nature of these projects that the better position you'll be in
0: cool thank you i think that's a, a good note to wrap on up on actually so um yeah i just want to say thanks to uh chris and reese for joining us today hopefully um yeah we've just dis- discussed quite a lot so um but hopefully there's some interesting insightful stuff in there for our listeners as well so i just want to say thanks to you both for joining us
1: pleasure thank, thank you. you thanks guys
0: so we hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, we really enjoyed speaking to Chris and Rhys this week. Um, it was really interesting to hear the big part that culture plays um, when considering a new CRM system. Actually, um, something I didn't realise that it played such a big role. I think.
1: Yeah, I think you know it's great to get their their insights, isn't it? As we were saying earlier on, and in the actual pod itself, you know, we know they spend a lot of time understanding the technology is a core part of their role and you can hear how interested they are in it, you know, they really they do dedicate yeah. themselves to getting the right answer, to the clients, um, which is perfect. That's exactly what, you know, we seek to do as a practice and what those guys do. Um, so yeah, no, you know, hearing hearing that come through in the pod was great. And some really interesting stuff as you say about the, the balance, you know, the culture being as as significant a part of it's not just about a, a checklist of functionality.
0: Yeah, definitely. So we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Um, and if you did, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you get notified of the latest episodes. Don't forget, you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter by searching Heart Square, where you will find lots more content on the themes of leadership, digital, culture, and capability. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.